If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Jack, is that a dog in the background of your shot? Oh yeah, oh. I don't know if you notice, like way down there, she's kind of hard to see. How very unprofessional, having a dog in the background of your shot. I know. I she... mean, I mean, Jesus, we're trying to make an interesting podcast here. Yeah. No, I know. It's She got used to being in here, and it's it's me being unprofessional. Well, I will tolerate it for now. All right, thanks. Thanks so much. Carry on. For, for uh, those of you who are just listening to this podcast might be terribly confused. Might want to check out the video side of no, things. No, they won't. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. To be fair. Developers uh, changing games after release. Here, this is a, one of those classic, well, it depends kind of situations. I think it's a classic, well, what can you do kind of situations. Because this is the world we live in, as I say. Everything's <sighs> digitally distributed. Everything's yes. live service, and yeah. well, this and, is just an inevitability. Right? And there are positive aspects: fixing, of course, fixing, fixing bugs, bugs, right? Patching and anything else. At patching in new content, there are still developers that do that without extra charge. Believe it or not. Thank you, Stardew Valley. Still adding stuff, uh, right? Um, are they? I should replay it sometime. They, they, uh, they're coming out. The one point five patch of Stardew Valley is uh, having split screen multiplayer Ooh. added to it. Which, if you play it multiplayer, I can only assume is amazing. Well, that's no use to me. I want to hear about if they're patching in a amusement arcade or a <laughs> zeppelin station. Right? Ooh, a zeppelin station. That'd be fun. But in. Mm. In any case, I think there are positives to this. There are, of course, many, many negatives, much like Destiny, just saying, nope, you don't get to do this anymore. We have your money. Na 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 na. Yes. Well, uh, I suppose you could attempt to get a class action lawsuit against them. Ooh, oh yeah, you could. That's a, that's an option. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just force them to justify it in a court of law they might even back down if faced with that prospect yes uh, you could en masse leave you know stop playing destiny stop buying the season passes that's well that's that's never gonna happen boycotts are never gonna work it's true there's too there's too many people who will apologize for them i saw it already like looking up the whole destiny thing because i don't play destiny or destiny 2 so i had to look up the controversy and there were so many apologists in the content or in the there comments. People, yeah, there are people who will apologize for it, and then there are the people who'll be saying, "Well, I don't like it, but how else am I going to play Wrath of the Bollock Sandwich or whatever the next mm. installment is?" Yeah, <laughs> right. So obviously, I'm with you guys. Yeah, boycott. Except when Wrath of the Bollock Sandwich comes out. But until then, boycott. <laughs> When we don't have to pay anything, we'll boycott. But when we pay something again, I'll definitely pay something again. I think I do think that that one of my arguments that I made up there quite at the last minute, which was uh, game developers 
being forced to reduce their scope if they were forced to put out a completed game. So, you know, back in the day, right back, back in the old cartridge day, there weren't patches that could be no, made. No. That was a literal impossibility. Right. And so like before they shipped a game, it needed to be as good as it possibly could. Mm. And I think that meant that they really ratcheted down the scope of games. It was a lot easier, though, because technology was a lot more standardized. Mm-hmm. Can't have that these days because everyone's got a different combination of hardware now. Sure. But I still feel like... And and it's our fault. It's our, as gamers' fault. We were Speak terrible. Speak for yourself. Well, well I, the general us. Like, it's, it's people right. who are... Yeah, people who pay money and don't get review copies like smart people do. Well, it's people who buy into this. Like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll I'll buy it in early access. Sure, I'll buy it in uh, in beta state because I want to play it before anyone else. Everyone has fallen for it. Everyone has fallen for the con, which is selling an unfinished product. Well, I don't see how it's going to get any better. <laughs> it's just been like... This has just been inevitably happening over time. Yeah. Because corporations will inevitably move towards whatever is less work and more money for them. Mm-hmm. Correct. A di- digital distribution is a mar- marvelously convenient thing to have. Mm-hmm. And with that came some came certain inevitabilities. As I say, when you have to keep re-uploading and adjusting stuff, a lot of developers felt, hey, let's just take the opportunity to make much-needed changes. Right. And then you get shit like this. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I think I think there are there are benevolent there are benevolent developers who will still patch and fix and not do anything terrible and then the there myth are. of benevolent capitalism rises again. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying that is anywhere near the majority. I'm just saying every once in a while uh you get a good one. But yes, there is no benevolent capitalist. So how would you if you were like in charge of the courts, how would you phrase a law to stop all this? You still want people to like change after release to add bug fixes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But where's the line? Hmm. Where's the line? Because there needs to be a line if we want to write some legislation on this. Well, let's let's look at precedent here, which is there is kind of a, a a truth in advertising or a truth in product laws. <laughs> yes. If I move my head here, it looks like my dog is licking my head. <laughs> you know, uh, tech, uh, you can't uh, say a product, like you can't put on a product of peanuts that this will cure Alzheimer's or whatever. You know, mm. you can't make misleading claims on your products and so some sort of some sort of legislation along those lines might work well destiny 2 probably didn't never said something on the lines of we will never retroactively remove content from the game they probably didn't say that either way (laughs) because it would not occur to anyone that they would do that right because that would just be evil Mm, it's like having to say i definitely promise i won't murder you in most cases, you don't have to do that. It's generally implied. <laughs> right, right. But then, but then, like you said, with your class action lawsuit, if a law like this existed, 
then, you know, the company could be fined for removing content because it is implied that that content would be there. Unless, of course, they said at the start, this content will only be available for X amount of years. Which they probably do in that terms and conditions thing they force you to agree to and no one ever reads. Ooh, right? I want to say there is a law trying to make its way through Congress right now about those terms and agreements not being valid unless they are with uh, they have to be shorter there's a law going through right now saying that the terms and agreements have to be shorter and easier to understand (laughs) yes you can make a pretty reasonable case for the fact that nobody fucking reads those things right and so like i think i think there is a way to legislate this you know but uh, with legislation comes loopholes Mm. i mean you say there's a way but how what if part of the game bugs out? What if there's a section of the game that bugs out and uh, and uh, every time they use it, it crashes the game? Mm. They have, Obviously, they have to patch that, so they like literally just remove that section of the game and then they tell, tell people, don't worry, we'll, we're going to analyze this and figure out what's going on, and then they just never put it back. <laughs> then What's stopping for someone from doing that then they need to calculate how much of the game that was and refund customers <laughs> so then like if, if people paid 60 bucks for a game and you remove 10 percent of it you give everyone six bucks back but why go through the trouble you're just gonna fix it right you're just gonna fix it and put it straight back right <laughs> of course they're not saying how long it's gonna take them to do that but they swear it'll happen eventually sure I think it would be a hard sell getting that law on the books. Oh, not only would it be a hard sell, but a, a law is only as good as its enforcement. And so, and and then it's you know how would you enforce such a law, which would be death squads. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, who's C- going to who's going to pay the death squads? Who watches the Watchmen? The CIA is just sitting there. They haven't had a good coup in a while. Just yeah, let them let them go eat into game developers. Do you know that story that um, at like his very first debriefing from like the cia trump got bored and asked for and sent out for milkshakes and that's why the cia's like had such low morale lately that doesn't that, like any sort of like trump was in a meeting and then got bored story does not surprise me <laughs> i just just something i heard <laughs> You know who who can say what's true or not, but I, I don't. I can't imagine anyone would be surprised with Trump was in a very important meeting and then got bored and decided to, he didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean it'd be more newsworthy if he demonstrated if he did care and demonstrated understanding of the topic. But anyway, <laughs> not to get overly political, as yeah. we are weeks away from the election here in the uh, states. Who the fuck- who the fuck cares at this point? Uh, I mean, anyone who anyone who's still denying the fact that the dudes a deranged, a dotarted moron mm-hmm. is probably beyond help. Uh, yes, yeah. A quarter of a million is- people die. I don't know what more. I don't know what more you need. Oh right! Like even before that, his the his record was, was abysmal. There, there is something though, like. I forget what it's called. You might know the term where it's like if you have a core belief, uh, like a belief uh, that that you have that start that uh, influences the kind of person you are, your personality. If that core belief is challenged, you get 
noticeably angry and counter like even if you are presented evidence to the contrary you will do all you can to hold on to your core belief and that's why uh, being an american <laughs> there's, there's plenty of that around the world all right like yeah all we right, suck right. at it but there's plenty of that around the world <laughs> well anyway oh right yeah Ooh, oopsie yeah yes uh, you know, of course, we're going to get distracted. Should, de- should yeah, should developers be allowed to change their president after release? Oh shit! <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, we tried. Um, okay, so should developers be able to change a game after release? I think as for for me, as long as it doesn't change a majority of the core product then it's fine right right i'm I'm trying to think like that's a weaselly phrase there's loopholes abound but you have to make it loose enough to where yes if they have a bug they can change a bug what you need is a is an objective value for the game's worth on launch and some law based around a maximum and minimum removal of that base value. Uh, how would you determine objective value? That is insanity. <sighs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? Right. I mean, um, uh, you can measure it in pure content. How mm. many hours? How many hours of skilled play from a player who has already been tutorialized? Mm-hmm. How many hours of gameplay they get before the content starts repeating itself? Oh, or they Lord. have to replay it. Or there's just no more new stuff to see. <laughs> How many hours of that is there for a skilled player? Uh, so then we—that's that's, then we have to define a skilled player. So oh right, then we go back to our our standard hours per f- fun or dollars per hour of fun. Uh, well, not, not a skilled, not a skilled player, an average player. Just like get a hundred players, yeah, and take the average. Sure. And then, like, you reassess 12 months down the line. And uh, if that if that average value has reduced, no, this this is completely impractical. You this can't do this for every game. No. I To me, like, this is something that's very unique to the video games industry. We don't allow this kind of shenanigans in other entertainment industries. What, a, what about director's cuts? I mean, a director's cut could conceivably reduce the runtime of a film it could so isn't that the same uh yes and i think there's an equal amount of shenanigans as far as director's cuts are concerned many but what if everyone agrees the original film was over long like it's like it's justice league or something (laughs) and the director's cut is essential (laughs) the shorter film makes it a stronger product Hmm. Well, I feel because because there's so, one there's two sides to this whole debate. There's the okay. legal side with all the um, should you be allowed to remove stuff, yeah, that we've already paid for. But then there's the artistic side. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, is an artist entitled to change their work after it's gone out? It's this is where we we get into sort of death of the author areas we do and i suppose i just to kind of wrap up the director's cut analogy here um or director's cut analog which is a director's cut in a movie is also a separate product so you can still have your original product and choose not to buy that product which adds or removes content 
So in the case of Destiny 2, it's always the same product. You can't get the Destiny 2 before the content was removed anymore. Right. But the Star Wars uh, Director's Cut, or whatever it was called, remastering. The, the re-release, yeah. The remastering. The You can't commercially buy the original versions anymore. After, Correct. After that, right? Correct. You can't you can't buy an original version of Star Wars uh path even in fact even the laser disc of version of Star Wars was altered from the theatrical release. So isn't that the same? You can't get the original version anymore. So it's yeah. it's an, it's not a new product, it's an update on the old one. Yeah, and and I'm upset about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> so yes, I agree with you, and I'm upset about that. Maybe, maybe this is the key, though. Maybe this is the key, which is like the if you are giving us a demonstrably different product, it needs to be a separate product. Hmm. And so that can be like, well, oh, you know, we fixed bugs. Nothing about the core product has changed versus here is a DLC pack that adds some, takes away some, does some, and that's its own separate product. You can choose to have it or not. I don't know if this is digressing, but I've always fundamentally been iffy about the concept of remastering an old game, re-releasing it and like updating the graphics and stuff. Because to my mind, all art exists as a sort of historical record. Mm. I mean, if you, if we can no longer get the original Crash Bandicoot, that, that something is lost. Yeah. If we, if we can only play the new one with all the shiny new graphics and fixes and stuff. But part of the original experience was the old graphics, <sighs> the old bugs. That's true. That's it's true. Go, it's, it goes beyond what the developer wants. It's mm. It's part of the broader culture it's part of the experience of art that art as well as being its own thing is also a product of its time mm-hmm. it's a historical record of its time sure and so part of part of this whole like video game developer culture of constant updates and tweaks also removes a lot of the context of what kind of time frame it was released in exactly to my mind, that was the true problem with the Star Wars remastered version. Sure. Or similarly, the E.T. remastered version, <laughs> where some cuts were made and guns were taken out. Ah, yes. But video games has always been crap at archiving itself. Well, it's, I, I think that's, part of that is understanding that, like, it, one, it is a very different art form than these other things, and it's still a relatively young art form. Like, I guess. I mean, you know, I guess once they once they had color, film, and sound, the technology didn't really change after right. that. Exactly. Like even video, video games is a constant state of change. We're still waiting for video games to get to a state where the technology doesn't need to change anymore. Well, that's the thing. Like even before color and sound, like if you watch an old silent movie, watch an old Charlie Chaplin movie it's pretty much the same thing as watching a modern-day movie, right? Like, there's not well, much difference. Well, yeah. You, <laughs> you look at images that go past, and it all goes together in your head. And it all goes together in your head, and it's a, a story, and that's and that's part of the thing. So it's like, that. that's part of the conversation, is there might not ever be a kind of a standardization of video games. That's a 
not a word. Stan, standardiza, standardization, that's the word. There might not ever be. There's a comparison with music, though. Okay. Because music is, the format of music has constantly been changing from wax cylinders to wax records to vinyl records to combat discs to Mm. to now just digital data floating through the ether Ooh, all right i'm I'm with you and you can't run vinyl records on your mp3 player anymore (laughs) all right where are we going with this i don't know (laughs) <laughs> i think i was trying to say that the sound quality improves mm-hmm. but some people prefer the sound of listening to old vinyl because there's a there's a texture to it mm, that's true there's that's a nostalgic true. texture to the sound that's what that's what um music heads will definitely say audiophiles will definitely say i don't know if i believe them and in the same way, we have people who like playing retro games, who like mm. the retro style. And we have plenty of retro-styled games. That's true. You know, interesting, this is a, another little tangent, but that's what this podcast is going to be filled with. Is I, 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 I don't know if you are at all familiar with uh, the work of, uh, of uh, Taylor Swift. Uh, Miss Taylor Swift, Esquire. Miss- Miss Miss Taylor Swift, there's an interesting... I have, I have heard of her reputation, but I'm not personally familiar with her oeuvre. Ah, well, she, she has a, a lovely catalogue of pop and country work, and recently she has been actually re-recording old songs of hers. Because she's grown as an artist, and she is re- basically remaking them. Now, she's not remaking them to make them better or to give them better sound quality. She's remaking them so that she can retain the rights to her songs because they're owned by someone else. Oh, so that, that's another like, and obviously like doesn't quite fit in with what we're talking about here, but yeah. that's a whole new facet of things, isn't it? Well, it's just another interesting analog of an artist's changing their work after it's been released and Mm. and i really there there is a real part of me that says we we need to have a stopping point there needs to be a point at which you stop fixing your game you stop adding to your game if your game is not done it should not be released though it is it's constantly happening i'm fully on board with the concept that there has to be a point where you stop. You can like add DLC, you can keep a live service running, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you have to stop at some point, but you can't make people unable to play the game after that point. And that mm. would be the issue with a lot of these live service games. Right. That if they stop supporting them, there's no way to play them, because a lot of them require a connection. Exactly. And I think like... And and both you and I are are very very critical of live service games, and I sure are. <laughs> well, and I think here, like specifically with this Destiny Two situation, this is a shining example to hold up to everyone to say, "Look, they are taking something you paid for away from you. We've been warning you about this for years now. <laughs> Won't you listen?" All right. So when we're talking about. 
as you say, there needs to be a stopping point. And as mm. I said earlier, if we need a law, there needs to be a very specific terms around the law. Okay. So what do we took it from that angle? It's less about the subjective amount of content you get from the game and more about a more like a time-based thing. You have a game and like after one year, say, mm-hmm. after one year you have to stop fiddling with it. No more <laughs> slap hands away from controls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I would even cut that in half. I'd say six months. Six months. You have to stop fiddling with it. You have to stop adding stuff. But, you know, some people want like extended DLC and stuff. And that's fine because that can be like an added, that can be like an added uh, thing where it's like, even even with a benevolent developer like um, like uh, con- uh, oh f- uh, concerned ape, who does Stardew Valley? Um, concerned ape is one of the idents when you start up Stardew Valley. The other <laughs> one is Chucklefish, I think. And I, I want to say Chucklefish is just the publisher. Yes, I think you're right about that. I think I've seen them on other games. And I believe I con- concerned ape is. Um, who makes Stardew Valley? It's that uh, one I, dude, isn't it? And I believe that's Concerned Ape. Okay. Um, if I'm wrong, we'll hear about it in the comments. And so it's like even a benevolent dev like Concerned Ape, who has been doing nothing but adding to Stardew Valley for free, a lot of it really fantastic stuff. I even think in a situation like that, each of the patches of the add-ons should be a separate DLC that you can enable or disable. Yeah, well, uh, that's easily done on Steam. You can, you can check off all the DLC you want added, right? And so it's like you know, split screen co-op, adding mm. coffee beans, which is fant- which was when I really got into Stardew Valley because that was my project. Right. Like adding all these things is really, really amazing. Adding new relationships, adding new ways to deal with those relationships, all great. But even those should be separate. But if we wanted to put a hard line on this, we wanted to say, for the sake of culture and artistry, mm-hmm. you have to stop adding stuff. You have to stop fiddling with it. You have to stop changing stuff and removing stuff. Yes. After six months. Mm-hmm. And then um, you have to make sure it's still playable. Yeah, it has to be available in a way that any interested parties, you don't have to support it yourself because you. You'd have to be doing that forever, all the hardware sure. stuff. But you have to make it available in such a way that people who are interested Ooh. can play, can find a way to play it. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That could that's like a, a skirt around of copyright laws. Yeah. So we'd be sacrificing, like what well, you're talking about, the nice additions to games. Yeah. But is it worth it if we can like get rid of all the jiggery pokery as well? By taking a hard line, no changes after this point. If you want to add new stuff, make a sequel. If it's very much like the old one, that's up to your your audience if they <laughs> if they're bothered by that or not. No, and I see. To me, this is a, a beautiful addition to what I'm talking about because as long as Stardew Valley 1.0 is is unchanged, you can add a DLC module that gives you the coffee beans. As long as it's able to be unchecked. You can add a DLC module that gives you multiplayer. You can add a DLC module that gives you split-screen multiplayer. So DLC is a very specific opt-in thing. They can't just automatically patch something. That's the key. So we still have the base, but then you can check, check yes on the DLC so that will preserve the original and also give them an opportunity to add. Okay. 
Okay. And, uh, you know, we'd have to write in the law of court. Like, copyright law still exists. Yeah. And so, like, obviously, like, they have to make it available for other people to make it work on their systems. But they also don't necessarily have to compensate those other people because they still get the money. It's still their intellectual property. Mm. So, you know, even though obviously I think those people should be compensated to make sure that it stays cool with the copyright laws, we'd, we would have to write in some sort of verbiage like that. So that's the law that will never, ever, ever get passed. Literally never even come close to happening. That is true. It's how I think I'd fix it, but it will never happen because half these live service games are uh, built around this like multi-year continual product cycle. Is is there an example of a good live service game? Well, <laughs> this is this is my question not only to you but to anyone who is listening and or watching this is there an example of a quality live service game that keeps giving new content at reasonable prices and keeps players in, that's something that's not a grind because even on its i think there's going to be a lot of um bias in this because people are just going to nominate the game they like that's and that's fair i like even on its best days what i've heard about destiny and destiny 2 is that it's an okay shooter and it does a really good job at polishing that grind and everyone who i know who plays destiny always says yeah like there's a grind but it's okay (laughs) you know but everyone admits that that grind is in there grind isn't necessarily bad i made that point in a dev diary once if you got a strong that gameplay loop that's fun Mm. to play you want a grind you want the grind because (laughs) it gives you the opportunity to have fun Uh uh-huh with the with the fun gameplay right right i'm not a big i'm not a fan of destiny 2 myself just felt like generic shooting Mm -hmm. but you know i play every game so maybe i'm maybe i've been spoiled (laughs) you you absolutely have been and so yeah for for me i i that's what i really wonder is if we got rid of live service games in general what would we be losing uh fall guys is that a live service game or is that just an online game i think they're the same that's that's what a live service (laughs) is a live service means the in order for the game to run there needs to be a continual service from the developer like online servers oh so then i guess we would also lose rocket league and i love I guess. Rocket League. Uh, well unless uh, you played it on like a fan server right it was taken if it was taken off the uh official servers and you did it the way we used to play online multiplayer everyone was someone had to have someone had to be the server and everyone had to join <laughs> with their ip address <laughs> sure sure before there was matchmaking, before there was any of that. The old Team Fortress classic days. The old Counter-Strike days. Okay, so, th- well, this is good, because, like, this is offering me a little perspective. The things we gain with a live service, yeah. right? We get we gain their servers, we gain matchmaking, we gain, you know, yeah. in-game chat and whatnot, and who's it. Okay. All right, that's mellowing me out a little bit, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So like yeah. any like MMORPG is a is a live service game. Ultima sure. Online was a live service game. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, it's it's. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with a game being a live service as long as everyone involved knows what they're getting into. Sure, sure. It's just that live service has been corrupted in the modern age into these uh, gacha game fruit machine simulators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I think selling. It's all about the upsell. The micropayment store, the loot boxes. Ooh, the upsell, the microtransactions, the terrible, terrible loot boxes. They're saying, hey, hey, it's fine. You don't have to pay a subscription fee to pay this game. <laughs> which is which was the usually the case back in with MMOs still. Mm-hmm. But without that subscription comes all the other more insidious shit. Yeah. I, think, I, I like as the purity of the subscription. We all know what we're getting in for. Yes, fine. Here's a fixed sum every month, and I will continue playing this live service game you offer. And, and we until, all understand exactly how much we're paying and what that money is going towards. Uh, until they take stuff away. Until they take stuff away. Right. But they've done that, haven't they, in World of Warcraft? Like after the Cataclysm expansion, entire realms just changed. Oh, is being, that true? Yeah, they updated things with the plot. Oh. Thousand Needles was flooded and became like a water area. Interesting. Is that the same thing? Because you couldn't go back to the old game. But did they give you new stuff without you having to pay for it? Or did you have to also pay for the new stuff? Well, you had to pay for the expansion. Oh, yeah. See, then I think that's the same bullshit, right? Can't You have to pay money for the new stuff and you can't get to the old stuff. Well, you can now because they've got WoW Classic. But at the time, <laughs> no, you couldn't go back to the old non-flooded Thousand Needles after Cataclysm. Right. And so, and, and you know, the from from all the comments that I've been seeing about the Destiny 2 thing, actually, like, apparently the developers have been very open about, like, the reason we are removing these things from the game is that our finding is that, like, 0.1% of players play on these. <laughs> so what? What is that... Are those players chopped liver then? 0.1% well, of a million still quite a lot of still quite a lot of guys. And they're what they're saying is if we remove these, we can optimize the game and add these new things. And so it's it's a calculated business decision, which this, I yes. This calculated I, number crunching is bullshit. 0.1% of um ET is spent crying at ET's corpse. That doesn't make it any less of a significant part of the film. <laughs> That was perfect. That was a perfect analogy. Um, that was great. Uh, no, and I, I think you're absolutely right. But in a perfect world, I, I'm trying to think of when it would be okay. So, like, for example, in the... Excuse uh, me a second. I'm just going to rescue my dog. He's oh, no. slipped between the couch cushions and he can't get out. Okay. Okay. Continue. Perfect. So, like, in a perfect world... Uh, if you if you just pay a subscription to World of Warcraft and you know you give them a little bit of money every month, it would be perfectly okay for them to say flood an area. But now you can go into the flooded area and have it be a completely new area because that's part of the ever changing subscription model. Well, they they took out the old area and they added a new area. Right. It's it's the it's you know tit for but tat. My problem is that you still had to pay for the new area while also losing the old area. I don't actually. I don't really know. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't know what happened if you didn't fork out for the expansion, right? Because that would be the question. It's like, yeah. if you if you didn't fork out for the expansion and still lost the old area, then that would be BS. 
and someone who knows more about World of Warcraft can probably answer this. Yes. And so I, you know, it's it's really tough because like I'm I'm definitely okay with like an evolving world, like ooh yeah. something big happened lore wise, and now this is going to happen. That could be very exciting, especially if you've already been through the needle area and you say, oh, I know that area. You go back and it's different. Yeah, ooh, if Destiny Two weren't phrasing this like they were removing stuff, if they were phrasing it like we're going to update this area to a new encounter. Mm. in which substantially less stuff happens but it is new <laughs> but like going through the list they are removing a lot from destiny 2 they are taking away a lot of stuff well there is a lot of bullshit in destiny 2 apparently so apparently maybe... not many people are playing it then well, i guess not many people are playing it generally that's that's the word around town but so like then all you're doing is fracturing your user base even more Who's got time for every live service game these days? Because this is what they want. They want every game to be the new, the new hot live service that everyone's playing. But but that doesn't work when every game that comes out is a live service. If we don't That's have true. enough hours in the day, there can be only one. That's why every MMO that tried to compete with World of Warcraft died. <laughs> because right. people were like, oh, that's as interesting and new. Oh, well, back to World of Warcraft. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, and again, it, it just boils down to the numbers. I, I had a, a really fun conversation with uh, with Darren over at the Escapist Movie Podcast recently about about Netflix and Disney Plus. Mm. So, the, and I just think these are interesting numbers. I'm going to bring it up here because it's kind of related to games as a live service. Mm. Netflix, the average customer will give Netflix one thousand two hundred dollars over their lifetime. And that includes someone who has subscribed to Netflix for years versus someone who pops on for a month and then pops off. I'm assuming there's a lot of extrapolation going on there. Well, it's it's an average, you know, like obviously, right. you know, and, and extrapolation. You're, you're correct. But so on average, they can expect $1,200 from their customers. And if they have six, you know, billion customers, hello, Pep. I'm listening. Keep talking. Uh, that's interesting. And currently, Disney Plus is only uh, expecting about $100 per customer on average. Mm. So are they offering like a more criterion collection sort of experience? Well, they th what what they're hoping is that as they add content, they will grow like Netflix. But that's why no one is competing with Netflix because no one has those numbers that Netflix has. Right. And so you you have to wonder for a live service, what's that magic number? We need to expect five hundred dollars per you know on average per customer over a lifetime. What's that magic number? Well. Of course, these sorts of live service number crunching wouldn't be necessary if video game development on that high end wasn't such an expensive industry. Mm, yes. Which is largely because of this unspoken obligation that everything has to chase trends and work on the hottest tech and have the best graphics tech, which is the root which of we, the whole problem if you ask which me which we know is not true because right now the most popular game on steam is a three-year-old multiplayer game where everyone looks like a teletubby yeah corporate AAA developers publishers you, they just don't understand that right it's like here's all this money we've got all this money we want to make the best game here is all the money you need to make the best game mm-hmm 
So, and when you got that amount of money, you have to have the the license, the best engine, and get the best <laughs> graphics. Right. Well, because, because it's a bunch of people who are justifying their salaries. Exactly. And so, like, in order to justify my salary, everything needs to look as good, or else I'm going to get less money. <laughs> yeah. Got to <laughs> spend the money to get the same money next year, right? Uh-huh. That's the problem. And then they tell us this is what we want when really we don't. Because, as you say, the numbers show the most popular games are stuff that wouldn't have troubled a PS1. Exactly. Like, <laughs> no. You know, obviously, you know, bigger games have big numbers and more importantly, big games get big prestigious articles written about them and they're all their new technology and isn't that great. But none of that matters because currently a sitting Congress, currently a sitting Congresswoman is starting up an Among Us stream as a get out the vote campaign because that's such a popular freaking game. I saw that. (laughs) She's... uh... She's not new to the world of game streaming either. She guest starred on an H Bomber guy stream. I think. That's right. That's right. She went to his uh, his like Donkey Kong live stream because she knows where the kids are, man. I still don't can't tell if she just knows what the kids like or if she genuinely has an interest in that sort of thing. Because most people do these days. Mm, that's most that's people play. Fair. Most people play video games of some kind. And she's a youngin. She might be younger than me. I don't actually know. And so it she's would, a youngin. So it would maybe. not be a ridiculous thing to say that there are probably a lot of Congress people who play video games, right? Wasn't there that one that like used his congressional budget to buy Steam games? <laughs> there was one that was like censured for that. Well, there you go. That was that was another one. Well, and so I guess like that's the thing. The the whole reason she knows that Among Us is popular is probably because she is interested in gaming in some fa- fashion. But uh, the the point is that this is an old cheap game, <laughs> and it's the most popular thing in the world because it's different and interesting. Wouldn't it be interesting if the internet stopped working, and we went back to like a sort of uh, village based society? Okay, I'm, I'm and everyone li- everyone lived in a small town, and everyone still had all the technology, but there was no like online functionality. Everyone was just locked into their own little part of the world. Ooh, and then and then you could be like the village gamesmith. You could make a you could make a game <laughs> and sell it on like uh, USB sticks on, on yeah. the, at the at the town market. Yeah, <laughs> and people would I have to it. come to you for the video games. You would be the village gamesmith. People would I say, love it. You'd have like an apprentice game, Smith. And every once in a while, like there'd be a big hit where, you know, like, you know, people would uh, take take your game and, you know, transport it around the world. Uh, yes. Ooh, ooh, the tra- the traveling nomadic traders have arrived. Quick, ooh. everyone to the market stall. They've brought games from Basingstoke. <laughs> I hear I hear someone figured out how to make two and a half D shooters over there. Hmm. I yeah. And then 100 years after that, Gamesmith is somebody's surname. Johnny Gamesmith. Johnny jo- Gamesmith. <laughs> Did you know that Gamesmith used to be a game maker? Really? I think that's that's funny. I I think I think we'd still have that although the the internet just makes us all our neighbors. Well, that's a nice way of thinking of it. I have to be positive or else the darkness consumes me. I just uh, I just suddenly hit by that very romantic image, and I found it appealing. Yeah, just live in a village and make games to barter for turnips and meat. 
I mean, you would have to because your job is the internet. So yeah, that that's would about all I could do. Well, I could <laughs> write books as well, I suppose. You could write books. You could still make your your ZP videos, but then you would also have to like send those off with the traveling nomads. Yeah. No one would be playing the games I've reviewed. Exactly. <laughs> I have to review the local tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. What an interesting world. Whatever happened to that great impression of me you were going to do, by the way? What impression of you? You know, you said in a previous, like, uh, one of these. Oh, did you I? Were going to, you were going to come up with a, you figure out how to do a great impression of me. Oh. Um, well, uh, the, so that should give you an insight into how my mind works. Uh, as soon as I'm done saying something, I forget it almost immediately. This explains so much. Um... <laughs> I was going to do a great impression of you. What what would I do for an impression of you? Well, let's not bog, get bogged down well, on that not, again because it took like ten sure. minutes of. Oh, was it? One of, yeah, <laughs> of one of the previous podcasts. Oh, uh, I mean, there would be a lot of swearing, I'm sure. Yes, and you know, you have a deeper but nasally voice. I don't know how you how you do that. Deeper, deeper, deeper and nasally. Deeper and nasally. Deeper and nasally, and it's deeper. a little British, but it's not very British because it's been tempered through the years. Fucking hell. Yeah, something like that. Fuck. I will. Uh, this time, I will not promise I will work on it because clearly I won't. Okay. <laughs> So, in summary, obviously it's terrible. What the fuck can we do? Uh, complain about it on the internet. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, we can make them lose goodwill. That's, that's, all, that's, that's about, just about the only weapon we have at this point. Get them, to put out, get them to put out one of those press releases that, say, that always starts with, you've talked and we've listened. That, we're not going what, to change anything we're doing, but we hear you. Yeah, that's yeah. how they always put it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, like some some patches are good, some are bad. I agree with you that we need a we need a stopping point for preservation sake. Yes. So get on with the games industry. Toot sweet, chop chop. Ooh, actually, you know what? Is our version? The, and sorry, I, we were just wrapping up here, but I just thought of something. Is our version of games preservation YouTube Let's Plays? Yes. We need to do that, but where you can still play the game. Right. But but what we ha- we still have incredible insight into how a game ran and played in all of its stages as we have a million YouTube Let's Plays. But it's never going to be quite the same as being able to play it yourself, is it? Because that's like the fundament of the experience. And that's fair, but uh, we have a version of preservation. All right. Fine. That's what I got. We have that. (laughs) All right. Keep at it, YouTube Let's Players. Fight the good fight. Fight it. Fight it with all you got. Click like and subscribe. And also thank you everyone for listening to this, the podcast that comes after Slightly Civil War in whatever presentation you are listening and or watching it in. We appreciate it. You're you're filling Pepper's dish with kibble and that's all we can hope for. Pepper thanks you for the kibble. (laughs) Once again, if you came across this podcast and didn't watch our Slightly Civil War. Thank you for the kibble. Thank you for the kibble, Internet. It is very tasty kibble. 
This episode was based on is it okay for a developer to change a game after it's released? You can go watch that on escapistmagazine.com. Once again, I've been Jack Packard. And I was Pepper with Yahtzee Crochet occasionally behind him. <laughs> with a Yahtzee Crochet attached to your back. Well, good night and good luck, everyone. Bye-bye. Pepper's trying to bite my hand off now. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.